Good morning, everyone. Won't you look over to your neighbor that's sitting there close to you and ask them, how's your vision? How is your vision? Some people you're sitting beside may require glasses. Some may have contacts in. Some may be born with really great vision that they've never had to have correction. Uh, my vision has been uh, 2020 all my life. I'm grateful for that, thankful, especially in my career. I have to go every year for an annual checkup for my vision, and the optometrist, he looks and goes through all the tests and all the different things, and he always says, well, not much changed since last year, and that's always a good year to hear that year after year because in welding inspection, you can't... Uh, have or possess a welding inspector license unless you have good vision. You can have bad vision, but you got to get correction. So actually on the card in my wallet, mine says without correction. My vision is without correction. So I don't have to have glasses to go and inspect a weld. I can just look at it. Uh, but there's other people that I know, my friends that are welding inspectors, and there says with correction. And if they didn't bring their glasses that day, they're not allowed to sign off on a document to say that that weld is sufficient. So as we think about vision for the church, uh, the vision for Bethesda is to love God and love people. That's our vision. That's what we are uh, attempting to do. And I say attempting because we're not all that and a bag of chips. Can somebody say Amen. I'm not the master at loving God and loving people. Loving God is a lot easier than loving people. But sometimes we say we love God, but our actions uh, speak otherwise. So today as we look at this revision as a uh, sermon series for the next four weeks, I want us to think about revision of having an opportunity to look over something that you previously done. It's the ability to look over or to rewrite something. So on our screen it says, being better the second chance. But I did do a revision and put a little red line through it just like it does in Microsoft Word that you can red line something and send it back to the original author and they are to change it. You're asking them, telling them you need to look at this, either the punctuation or the grammar or something's going on. Use this word versus that word would be better. And we all know that you can use spell check in Word and it's pretty awesome. How many love spell check? I can't spell a lick, so I'm thankful for spell check. But there's sometimes that you spell something correctly, but it's not correct. Amen? We all know the there, T-H-E-I-R, -E -E right? There, T-H-E-R-E, -E, there, or T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E. And some of those gets misplaced in what pers the person's trying to convey or the message they're trying to convey. So sometimes you can be correct, but you're wrong. Amen? Your spell check can be correct but your grammar is wrong. 
And as we think about this, that sometimes whenever we're looking at our life or contemplating our life or looking at the vision of our life or the mission of our life, God's giving us a second chance, but what are we doing with that second chance? Are we going to be bitter because we got a second chance or are we going to be better? That's our options before us today. Are we going to be bitter or are we going to be better that God is giving us a second chance? And you may be working on your third chance or fourth chance or fifth chance or maybe it's your thousandth chance that God's given you. But today is a new day. Amen? Every morning we wake up with our health that Greg prayed about, with our ability to walk into a church service and hear God's word spoken over our lives is another chance to do the right thing. And I don't want to walk into church bitter with things that have happened to me this past week. I want to grow better because of them. Amen? Because you've been through a storm doesn't mean you have to be all downtrodden and depressed and anxiety and fear ruling your life. Amen? You can go through hell but still make it to heaven. And God is wanting us to see today that revision is He's given us ability and He's sending it back to us and he's redlining our life and saying, here's some things you need to work on. The Bible says that the heart is more deceitful than all things. The, the heart of humanity, that we as humans, as we have this condition of the heart, that it is, it's, it's, a, it's a vile thing that we grow up with, this heart that we have. And you may have heard the term... A change of heart. And that's what I want us to speak about today is a change of heart. And I hope and pray that the Spirit of God works through us today, all of us in this room, including myself, that we could walk out of this place with a change of heart today. Amen. That God would redline our heart and say, here's your condition, here's what's going on, and here's my solution to your problem. I believe we serve a God with solutions, don't you? But I want us to look at these verses. It's in Mark chapter 8, verse 20 through, 22 through 26. Mark chapter 8. I love the book of John Mark. Because he's writing in amongst some people. with some extensive credentials to write the word of God. But John Mark is this agent down the line that maybe doesn't have the credentials that everybody else has got, but he's still coining and writing the Word of God. So Mark chapter 8, and our whole sermon series that we've done just recently was off of Mark chapter 8, verse 36, that Dusty and Albie and Leslie spoke about. But today I want us to look at verses 22 through 26. Speaking about Jesus, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes... And put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, the blind man looked up and said this, I see men like trees walking. 
Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him to look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. The Bible tells us to don't cast our pearl before the swine. There's some things that you experience that everyone shouldn't know about. Amen. In the world of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all the things that we possess in our lives, we shouldn't air our dirty laundry before the whole world. Amen. When you're going through hell, sometimes you need a prayer warrior and not a bunch of people objectifying what you're dealing with. Amen. You need heaven to reach down and touch your heart. So today as we think about this, I want to explain to us today that Jesus explained to this man, even though he had received his entire sight, Jesus said, go back into town and don't tell anybody in town. How many knows that would be a hard thing to do? To be blind and cannot see and have somebody to spit on your eyes first off and then lay hands on your eyes second off and you could just see men walking around like trees. And then all of a sudden he lays hands on you again. And when he does, you can see everything clearly. It would be hard to contain that. It would be hard to control that. To say that I'm not going to go and explain this to my neighbor. That they will be saying, well, why are you no longer begging on the side of the road? Well, why are you now able all of a sudden to go and do things that you wasn't able to do? I don't have to explain anything to anybody. When God touches my life, it's not my responsibility to explain it to everybody else. It's not any of their business what's going on with me. Why? Because God has dealt with me individually. And I want you to know in this room today that God deals on an individual basis. He deals differently with Ben than he does with Dusty. Or he does with Greg. Or he does with Frankie. Or he does with anybody else in this room. God deals with us on an individual basis. And it's between him and I how I react and what I go through in this life. And everything else really doesn't matter all that much. I love you, but I need God more than I need you. Amen. Sometimes we rely on other people when God is saying, learn to rely on me. Who do you put your trust in? Who is your confidence in? It needs to be in God. A change of heart. Has God visited you lately? Has God visited you lately? In revision, you have to have that outside source to look at it from a different perspective, correct? Whenever I'm writing a letter that we just come out of this series entitled Letters, as I write a letter, I have to have Leslie to look through my letter, amen? Because she's the grammar police. She's the one that knows when I put too many commas in. 
She's the one that knows whenever I've got an exclamation point, and I shouldn't have. She's the one that gives all that to me, and I'm thankful for that, amen, that have an outside perspective of what I'm trying to convey. So whenever I'm thinking about that, what about a change of heart? When was the last time that you went into an altar of prayer or a prayer closet in your house, or maybe it was in the car driving down the road, and you begin to pray, say, God, my heart feels like it's a little bit, it's not what you intended it to be, and I feel like my heart needs a examination here today and I need you to do an ultrasound on me and look in introspectively into my life and tell me what's wrong redline my heart God how many needs a revision in this place I believe everybody here should raise your hand and say that's me pastor I'm one of the people in this room that my heart is not all that it's evil it's desires outweigh God's desires. Allow God to visit. Jesus came to town. Amen. It says that Jesus came to town. And when Jesus comes to town, Things that you've been dealing with for a long time and trying to deal with on your own and figuring out how many steps is it from my, from my house to the, to the door and how much farther do I have to go out until I, I figure out this point of the street where I turn left and go this many paces until I turn left, right and go over here and then I end up at this well where I get my water. This blind man had a condition where that he was pacing his life on thinking how can I get through and how can I learn these things on my own to just get through life. Then all of a sudden, and Jesus comes to town. How many is that? That's me. That I have figured out how many paces I need to go to get this to happen. I have learned through repetitive actions in my life that I wake up in the morning and I go in and get my coffee running and I go back and get my donuts later or my blueberry muffins that Laney loves to come and eat. I was thinking about that this morning. Laney has been over the house several times here lately with the Financial class that Leslie did and stuff, and Lainey comes over and she's like, I'm, where's my muffins? She just knows that there's muffins at Pastor Ben's house. Amen. I'm grateful for blueberry muffins. Yeah. Lainey knows where to go get them. Now she don't even have to ask. She just comes in and she'll come packing a little bag and she's got her muffins. She's ready. Got her open. That's the good thing about them. They already tore and, and she's learned how to repetitively figure out her path to the muffins. Why? Because of repetitiveness. When she first came over, she didn't know where the muffins was. And as humans, as our heart is conditioned the way it is as we are humans, we condition ourselves to learn traits of how to accomplish what we want to accomplish. But if we're going to allow God to redline our heart then he's going to reprogram everything that we think that we need to do, and he might tell you a whole other direction. You might have been taking the wrong street to get to where you wanted to go, and now that you've got vision like this blind man has got vision now, he might go a totally safer, easier route than what he ever did before. What if you've been going through hell year after year, week after week, month after month, and maybe in your entire life you've been going through the same hell because it's a repetitive action that you've always done when God's saying today, I want to redline your heart so that you'll say, I'm sick and tired of being me, amen, and he's going to give you clear vision that you can see a new path. 
How many thinks God can do that? Then he can open up your heart and give you a clear new understanding of life. I believe that with all my being. The main ideal here today to change your heart is when blind eyes see, the world becomes so much clearer. When blind eyes see, the world becomes so much clearer. But the, oh, I love this story about this blind man because it's kind of out of place, it's out of context, and none of the other gospel writers writes anything about this account. Mark, John Mark is the one that just coins these and writes these terms down that we see here today in this book of the Bible. And as he does this, he's the only one that writes about this account. That's exciting because now I know that things are getting wrote in the Bible maybe that others didn't see. All of the disciples were there. All 12 of the disciples were there. But guess what? Apparently they didn't see what John Mark saw. And I love this in Mark chapter 8 because as you go through the entire chapter, if you're going to contextualize what God is trying to say or what Jesus is saying through the Word of God in Mark chapter 8, you're going to see that the Pharisees and Sadducees, they come to Jesus. And they were trying to trip him up. They were trying to trick him. And at the beginning of it, Jesus feeds 4,000 people on this hillside. And his disciples, they don't understand everything that's going on. And they come to him once. And, and, and let's just turn back just a little bit and go to verse 18. Jesus is telling them that there's signs coming and Pharisees asking all these questions, all this stuff. And, and Jesus tells them, verse 18, talk, Jesus talking to his disciples here now. This is people that have traveled the road with him for some time. He says, having eyes you do not see, and having ears you do not hear, and you do not remember. So you can have good physical eyes, but blind spiritual eyes. Is that not what Jesus is saying here? You can see clearly in this world that we're living in, but spiritually you're walking around blind. And he's saying this to his disciples, and this is the disciples that he chose. These are the 12 individuals that Jesus said, hey, come follow me. Let me take you on a journey. So as he's telling them this, that they're spiritually blind. How can they still be spiritually blind and witness all these miracles, all these different things happen, but they still can't see? And it's easy to get on our high horse and look at them and say, wow, why couldn't they? And at the same time, I've been saved or a Christian or a Jesus follower since 1999. These individuals had only followed him probably for two to three years at this point. And here I'm looking at them saying, why are they not yet there yet? But yet I've been following him for 17, 18 years now. Coming on 19 in October, and I'm looking at them, pointing my finger at them when I ought to be pointing my finger back at me and saying, why can't I see better yet? Spiritually, why am I not more in tune with the will of God than what I'm currently at? God is redlining my heart to say, Pastor, you need to see the way I see. You need to pray 
for spiritual vision. Amen? Spiritual vision. Where that I can see into the spiritual world what God has want me to see. So as we look at that and think about that, that the culture of what was going on here, that, that Jesus was walking into town, he would go from town to town. This Bethsaida, it was the city that he walked into. And as he walked into this town, it was a place that he wanted to go and see these people. Jesus is always intentional about where he's going. He's not just happenstance walking through life and just taking whatever comes. He's got a plan. Amen. He hears from the Father and he does what the Father tells him. And he goes and prays up in the hills all the time. And you'll see that oftentimes that he would go away. Jesus would go and feed 5,000 and become spiritually at the point where that physically his body couldn't take it anymore. And he would go up the mountain and pray and fast and come back down and go on another mission journey. That should be the way our lives is. There should be a point where spiritually you feel like you're spent. That it feels like, man, I have nothing else to give. I've prayed all these prayers. I've done all these deeds. And I'm out doing outreach ministry and doing this and, and playing on the band. And I'm, I'm teaching in Sunday school and, and helping with children's church. I, I come and help feed the youth. I, I do all these different things. And there should be points in our life where spiritually we feel like, man, I'm spent. You need to pray for Dusty and Albie. Because spiritually, oftentimes, in ministry, you get spent. Jesus did that. But Jesus would go up into the mountain and pray. Why? Because he knows, I need some revision in my life. I'm going to get off track if I do it my way. I've got to have my Father's way. Even at 12 years old, one time he stayed in Jerusalem. His mom and dad missed him later on. That they was partying outside of town. And come a day or two later, they was like, man, where's Jesus at? pretty bad Mary you're a virgin you end up having a baby and 12 years later you lose him anybody else ever lost Jesus I'd say everybody in this room it's called backsliding turning our back towards God and saying I don't need that anymore Mary and Joseph traveling and a couple days later oh no where's Jesus at Kind of like the mothers you see running around in a, in a, in a clothing store that when their kid is, is hiding up underneath the rack. I heard mom telling the story the other day about when my hoodlum brother Howard sitting on the back row when he was little. Went in the Marting store or one of them was up in, in Portsmouth and, and he hid inside the clothing rack and mom was shopping. Next thing you know she, she lost poor little Howard. And she runs around all over the store frantic, oh, where's Howie? And how he hears all this happening, but how he don't say nothing. Finally, somebody sees his little legs underneath. Oh, poor little Howie. Oh. I think that's what still affects her to the day because she'll call all night. If Howie don't call by 10 o'clock, she calls everywhere. Where's Howie? You seen Howie? She'll call me. She'll call Netta. She'll call Greg. She calls, she'll call everybody. You seen Howie? She calls Brad and Missy. Poor little Howie lost, hiding in a clothes rack. But guess where Jesus was? He wasn't in no clothes rack. He was sitting in the steps in Jerusalem, and people were amazed and perplexed at some of the things he was saying because he had so much wisdom, even though he was 12 years old. And when his mom and dad finally got back and got to him and said, What are you doing here? And he said, Don't you know I should be about my father's business 
If that isn't a lesson that we need to learn today, if we're going to ask God to rewrite or to look over our, the contents of our heart, is God, am I following after you and am I about your business? That should be what we're looking at. And Jesus shows up into town and he's doing his father's business and he's doing what his father's telling him to do. And as he gets there, this blind man is brought to him by other people. He couldn't get there by himself. So I ask you this question. Who have you brought to Jesus lately? If you want to look to content and the character of your heart, who have you brought to Jesus lately? Because Jesus is the answer to the troubles of our society. Amen? He's the, he's the answer to the troubles your neighbors are having. You know the neighbors, the ones that are fighting, the ones that are out screaming on their porch and beating through windows and knocking doors down and, and the families that are troubled and perplexed by all these issues going on in our community. Guess what? It's not our job to look at them and point fingers and say, God, I'm glad you didn't make me like them. We need to be like the sinner man that look, gets down on his knees and thank you, God, for saving a sinner like me. And then look at our neighbors and say, you know what the answer you need is? You need to go see Jesus. Amen? Amen? You need to go see Jesus. Yeah. That's what these guys did. They got this blind man and they brought him to Jesus. And something that's missed in this story and I've missed before is I began to wonder when I read through it the first time here as I was looking at this and I was thinking, why is this, how does this guy know what men even look like? I've never thought that before. When Jesus asked him, well, what do you see? Well, I see men, but they look like trees. How did he know what trees look like? How does he know these things? And if you go on down and study there, at the end it says that his sight was restored to him. So guess what that means? Once upon a time, he could see. How he knew that men looked like that or trees looked like that was because he could once see, but he got to a point where he couldn't see. Come on, somebody. If we're going to talk to God about our heart, we've got to come clean with God and say, guess what? God, once upon a time, I could see a lot clearer spiritually than what I can right now. And I feel like I've slipped away from you a little bit. And I feel like I took some back steps. But guess what, God? I'm coming to you. I'm coming clean today. And I want to see again. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to see again. Amen. I want to look into that spiritual realm and see the things that I used to see. Dusty, I want to see the dreams and the visions that I used to have. I want to see that, the calling of God on my life, where that I would go and repeat it to my neighbors and say, I, God has called me to preach the gospel. Not that I be boisterous. I don't want to get on people's nerves. I don't want to offend people. But guess what? I want God to clue me in when it's time to open my mouth and say, thus says the word of God to your life. And I want to be that person that God's called me to be. And it's scary when you step into a realm that you haven't been in before. Spiritually. I'll tell you, it is scary stepping into that realm. But the best thing we can tell our fears is take a back seat because I'm following God. 
Amen. Fear will stop your progress in God. Fear will keep you from getting what all God has for you. So we got to put our fear on the back seat and say, no, devil, not this time. I want to go do what God's called me to do. He wants me to have clear vision. He wants me to be like this blind man and to see things once again. And I don't know what God or who I'm talking to in this place today, but I know this, that if God, if you've been walked with God before and you may have turned your back on him, maybe you're backslidden, maybe you're just drifting away and too far from the shore like the old song, maybe you're just kind of not as, as on fire as you used to be I'm getting you to a point today to tell you that a change of heart will change your life and God will restore to you the vision that he has for you a God of restoration a God that rewrites history a God that rewrites your destination what are we going to do with this message what are we going to do with what God's telling us? How long has it been since you brought somebody hurting to Jesus? It'll cost you. It'll cost you doing that. You know what it'll cost you? Your pride. Amen. It'll cost you maybe the respect in the community that you have. The people start to say, oh, that Dusty, he ain't all he used to be. Man, he used to be fun to hang out with. Now he's one of them Jesus followers. I don't want to hang out with Dusty anymore. Man, he, he, just, brings the, he just brings the mood down, man. Right? He's a Jesus follower. I don't, I don't want no part of that. That's what some of your friends will say about you, ain't it, Dusty? He said it a few weeks ago in his sermon. That whenever he got saved and he truly sold his heart out to God, God had to take him through this process to get him away from his childhood friends that he'd been around his whole life. Why? Because they were going to infect him when he was supposed to be affecting them at the end of the day. Lathan, you got to give up some of your old friends, man. Is it easy? He looked back at Ryan. <laughs> Poor Ryan. These people that brought this blind man to Jesus was doing the right thing. They wasn't doing it to make fun of the blind man. They wasn't doing it to get any accolades themselves. They was doing it because their heart told them there's somebody hurting and I know the solution to their problem. So as we look around in our society, in our neighborhoods, wherever we're at, will we bring that need to Jesus? And some of those needs seem like, man, I don't know if God can do anything with that. Amen? Wow, I've prayed for them kind of people before and they've never came in the door. They've never come through the church door. I've prayed for that type of person and it's never happened yet. But should we give up? Should we say that's not possible apparently with God because of what we've dealt with in our times past when God's telling us today, reach out, bring them in. 
the blind man saw. I think in part because of the faith of his friends. This blind man more than likely would have never been able to get to that point in town where Jesus was, except for he had some friends to get him there. Amen? And everybody in this room, I'm here to tell you today that God has got some people out there in your life that he's put you in their path to reach them with the gospel of Jesus and say, I know the one that can cure what ails you. I know the great physician. I know the master, the creator of heaven and earth. And he can even cause blind men to see. Amen. How many believes that today? One thing I want to tell you in this room that I believe, I really believe that if Jesus can take that man to where the, if, if people with glasses on this room, you can take your glasses off and look around and you'll see men like trees walking around. Amen. Did not Jesus say once again and lay hands on them and pray and they saw? How many believes God can heal your vision today, your physical vision? I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that God can work miracles today. I, I just, I just, I, it was born into my DNA that I, I believe that, that God can cause the blind to see. He wants you to see. He wants your disciples to see. As Jesus was there doing, performing this miracle, his 12 disciples were right around him. And they were watching. And guess what's going to happen when the people, the 12 people that's around you that are watching you, and you begin to step out into, into unseen worlds that, you'd, that you've never stepped out in before. And maybe you're going to do things that you've never done before because God's given you a new heart transplant in this place today. And as you begin to do that, other people's going to be watching. Amen? And these disciples went on to do great exploits in God's kingdom. Because they saw with a physical eye what God done in the spiritual realm. Amen. Won't you stand with me if you will? The blind man had to invest his time to go see Jesus so he could see. He had to invest that time. I thank everybody in this room today for attending service that you've joined together, that you're here because you want to see what you have not saw. The disciples, they invested three and a half years of their life following under the rabbi, his name was Jesus. A rabbi, in our way of, or our terms today, would be a mentor. A mentor. Jesus was their mentor. He was their teacher. He was the person that they looked to that said, man, I want to be like them. The apostle Paul said this, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. Follow me as I follow Christ. 
What does that mean? That means I want to be the best example that I can be people like this. I hope and pray that this is this is Jill Jill. I don't know if you guys know her, but this is Jill Jill. And uh, I'm going to be her mentor today. And I'm going to show her how to do a what? A round off what? Back handspring? I'm going to show her how to do it. I'm going to be her mentor. No, I'm not because I'm going to break my leg and I ain't going to do that in front of everybody. See, there's things that God has gifted her to do that I can't do. But one thing I do know that I want to do is be the best pastor that I can be for this little young lady because I know she loves God and she loves people. And a mentor is somebody that causes other people to believe that they can do things that maybe other people tells them they can't. And just a while ago, I was sitting on the front row, and she said uh, something. About, they was talking. Her and Josiah was talking about what happened in youth this past week, and they had stations set around and all this. And I said, "Well, when, when are you going to do a service?" She said, "I can do that. Just give me two verses." I said, "How long does it last?" Josiah, "Well, about a half hour." She said, "Yeah, just give me two verses. I'll, I'll preach. I don't care." Because she believes that she can. What do you believe that you can do? Because I was one of those shy, backwards people that couldn't speak in front of nobody, and God called me to speak on a weekly basis. I didn't, I didn't think I could, but I had pastors through my life that caused me to believe that sometimes God can do more with you than what you can even experience or think you can experience yourself. How many think she could? I think she can. I want to see a raise of hands. How many think she can preach a message that will turn every one of us upside down? I believe that in my whole heart. So what I want you to do little sister there's some people here that need their heart changed including you including me we're no different we're just all to get in this together okay and I want you to lead us in a prayer and hold the microphone real close so they can hear and I want you to talk loud enough that they can hear okay and I want you to lead us in prayer and I ask God to red light our heart so that we'll walk out different than we came in. Okay? Dear Lord, thank you for this day that we had and hope that everybody can come out of this church and have their hearts read in line and everybody can change and that everybody can have a good week and help you revision their vision and everything and help Pastor Ben preach again and all that and everything that everybody's been through. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome.